0: So before, I used to not use her name, kind of the protect the innocent thing. But after a while, it just got kind of funny um, to tell this story about my little sister. So that way, whenever she visits, you can say, (laughs) you're the one. (laughs) You can laugh at her with me whenever she comes back. Okay? but um, she was about three years old and uh, we had gone to church and uh, I was still new to church. Not sure of everything myself, but uh, this one particular occasion we were there. It was a communion celebration. And so the pastor had gone through the communion liturgy and spoke about the body and blood of Jesus, had given the whole deal about the Last Supper. And it came time when we all came up front to receive the elements, the body and blood of Christ. As we're there at the altar, the pastor comes and she gives and she breaks off a piece of the bread. And she says to my little sister, the body of Christ broken for you. And my little sister's got tears in her eyes. I don't want to eat Jesus' body. I don't want to eat Jesus' body. I don't want to eat his body. She was scared to death because we done chunked off a piece of Jesus' finger and making her eat it. Now, she didn't know it then, but she was not the only one who's ever had a little uncertainty about the things of Jesus, Now, to be sure, let me remind you how we got to where we are today. All of this John 6 bread talk that we've had over the last several weeks, it all began when Jesus fed the 5,000. You remember the story, right? It's a miraculous occasion where everyone came. They had fish. They had bread. No one left hungry. Well, what happened? You remember, they woke up the next morning and said, Hmm, wonder where we can get some more food. And so they went on a search to go find Jesus. They got in the boats and looked high and looked low, and they finally found him. He realized that even though they had experienced the power of God the night before, they weren't there to experience the power of God. They were there because they were just hungry. And so he gets on this discourse about being the bread of life. He tells him, I'm the bread of life. You remember bread that God gave to the people through Moses? Well, they ate that bread and they died. But I'm not like that bread. I'm the bread of life that will never die. And then he gets on. He gets a little more creepy with his illustration. He says, matter of fact, to have this bread is to eat my body and to drink my blood. And that sounded a little strange for a lot of the people there. The Pharisees, they started grumbling about it. And then even some of the people who had followed him, whom John calls some of his disciples. Now, let's make a distinction. There are the twelve, the twelve disciples. Those are the twelve people who closely followed Jesus, probably just about everywhere he went. But there were other people who were disciples of Jesus, who had heard him, who had decided to follow him. Now, there's a whole group of those people who were there with Jesus, with the twelve, with the Pharisees. And they hear Jesus go on and on about being this bread and then about drinking blood and eating your body. That doesn't sound right, Jesus. This, this, None of this sounds right at all. It's, it's too difficult to understand. Jesus tells him, have you not been listening to anything I've told you? It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. In a way, maybe telling us, showing us that what he's talking about is to be taken spiritually. I'm not asking you to chew off my finger. I'm not asking you to suck my blood. I'm asking you to pay attention to what the spirit is doing right in front of you. It's the same thing he told Nicodemus a few chapters early. You don't know where the Spirit comes from or where it goes. You can only see what it does. He's telling these people here, you need to be able to see what the Holy Spirit is doing right in front of you. And their response is, I don't think we can do that. Now, maybe they just couldn't make the connection. Maybe they just couldn't understand that he was speaking more spiritually than physically. Maybe they had a hard time with this idea of him equating himself to Moses. Maybe they just couldn't understand what he was saying, period, for for whatever reason. But for whatever the reason is, they say, we can't do it. And they turn and walk away. Sometimes when I read that story, I ask myself the question, would Jesus make a good preacher today? Because preachers today, believe me, I have to know a few of them. Preachers today are told and are taught that one of the main things you're supposed to do is 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 learn how to preach well so you can grow your church is learn how to to run committees so you can grow your church so you can have more people there. That's what church People up here tell you, and and, and don't think churches who sit in pews don't say the same thing. Oh, pastor, we want to know how we can have more people, more families, more young people. And the thing about Jesus, he doesn't seem to care about having more. If he did care, he might have said, oh, guys, turn around. Come on, let's, let's talk about this a little more. Just come on. Maybe I'll come up with a different illustration for you. But Jesus doesn't seem to care about more. He just seems to care about those who want to follow, follow. He didn't change his message, he didn't beg them to stay. What he did was turn to his disciples, those 12, and he asked them that question What about you? You want to go to? And I love what Peter says. To whom would we go to, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe that you are the one. Now, now here's why I like what Peter says. We have come to believe leads me to think that if Jesus might have asked them that same question, maybe a year earlier, maybe they would have had a different response. We've come to believe we've walked with you. We've heard you. We've seen the things you do. And because of that, we've come to believe that doesn't mean somewhere along the way we had our doubts. It doesn't mean as I hear you talk about all this body and blood stuff, I'm not scratching my head right now, but. I've come to believe that you are the one. And it seems to me that Jesus, for Jesus, that's good enough. Even though they may have had a doubt before, even though they may have struggled before, even though we know about Peter, we know about the one even that would betray him. Jesus didn't look at those twelve and say, what about you? You want to go too? And Peter stands up and says, we have come to know of this about you. Jesus doesn't say, yeah, you do, but not Judas. Get him out of here. What seems to be most important to Jesus is that you and I are willing to follow. Now, if we can't, if we won't, he doesn't seem to condemn us here he doesn't tell us, well, do what you can to change the message. Do what you can to, to, to get all those people back. What he gives us the opportunity to do is ask, answer the question ourselves. Do you want to go? If you don't, do you know why you're here? Sisters and brothers, you and I are here this morning. Because we believe that as we hear the words of Jesus, we are hearing words of eternal life. We are hearing the words of someone sent by God to show us what it means to follow and to love God. You can't look at Jesus without seeing God. You can't listen to Jesus without listening to God. You can't see the people that Jesus goes to, that the people that Jesus ministers to without seeing the people that God would go to, that God would minister to. Are y'all with me? When we hear Jesus, we are hearing the words of eternal life. That's why we keep listening. Peter asked the question himself, well, to whom will we go? Peter was a small-time fish, fisherman. I think he might have been maybe 16, 17, maybe 18 years old. He hadn't seen life yet. He doesn't know. There's a lot of places you could go besides Jesus. We like to think today that, oh, those Old Testament people, they had their gods and their shrine. We don't have stuff like that. We don't worship other things. Really? So many people today are bound by the God of the checkbook. We're bound by the God of consumerism. We're bound by the God who says, look out for numero uno and that's it. There are other places we could go. There are other gods we could serve. But what we've come to find out is that those gods bring us nowhere. They don't give us a promise, true promise of life. We follow Christ because he has called us first. And we hear his words of eternal life and we're invited to live a life surrounded by the holy mystery that is Jesus Christ. Now, that life doesn't always have a have a clear way to go because when you're trying to follow the Spirit, the Spirit will lead you in places you never thought you would go. Hello, I wanted to be rich when I grew up. I wanted to be a, a rich programmer or a rich banker, not some guy who stood up in church to talk to other people about Jesus. But when you follow the Spirit, you often get led to places... Where only God can bring you. Open our lives to the Spirit. It's kind of what Jesus is saying. Don't get so caught up in everything to see here. When you follow me, you're going to see things, you're going to hear things, you're going to get offended. We like to think that, like to say maybe if, if you haven't been offended by Jesus, maybe you haven't really been listening to Jesus if Jesus hasn't made you scratch your head a little bit if Jesus hasn't made you think whoa whoa, whoa 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 wait a minute maybe you haven't been paying attention to what he's really been saying his life his life that is offered to us in part is to show us the way of the spirit There are other lives we could follow, friends. But when we follow Christ, we're following the words of eternal life. Eternal life isn't just about some glad morning on the other side of heaven. Eternal life is about from today until eternity. Today is just as much a part of eternal life as the day we die. Today we can experience the presence of God in just as a meaningful way as any other day. Eternal life begins today when we hear Jesus ask the question, do you want to go to?" Because if you do, it's okay. I get it. But if you stay, I have the words of eternal life for you. Amen? Amen. So friends, I think we need to pray because God is giving us these words. God is showing us this life. But to be honest, sometimes we, we want to do our own thing. We prefer to follow other things that are more comfortable to us and then maybe squeeze Jesus in somewhere along the way. But that's not the life of the spirit. So we should pray. And if you want to pray, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Uh, Some of us have found it a part of our, our experience that praying at the altar railing is a meaningful way to pray. And if that is a part of what you do, we invite you to come down now. But sisters and brothers, whether you pray here at the altar railing, whether you pray in your pews, the important thing is as God's people, we pray together. So let us pray. Loving God, here we are this morning again in your presence, knowing that you are here with us, knowing that you have called us here. So we give you thanks, Lord, for the promise that you offer to us of your great love and forgiveness. We give you thanks, God, for the chance of new life each day. We will confess, God, that often we will try to follow other things other than you. That even though you speak words of eternal life, we often choose words that lead to death. Forgive us, Lord. And free us for joyful obedience today. God, help us to see the Spirit working in our life and around us so that we can follow what your Spirit is doing. Give us eyes to see your power at work and to see you in the people that we meet, to see each other the way you see us, God. So that with eyes of love and compassion, courage and faith, we can serve you more faithfully, God. God, as we are here this morning uh, praying, we ask that your Holy Spirit would dwell in us, that you would give us a new heart, a new faith. That you would pick us up when we feel like we've fallen down. That you would renew our strength, God, when we feel like we've given all we had. We ask, God, that you would help us who doubt. That you would strengthen us who are weary. That you would heal us who are sick. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we all might have that eternal life that begins in your name. And, God, we pray all these things then in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was teaching each one of us how to live this life when he taught us how to pray this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us.